Oh, brethren, let's go down. Down to the river to dump all of our toxic <laughs> chemicals. Let's go down, down to the river today to fucking you're, die. <laughs> you're listening to America's Most Environmentalist Podcast, the pod people. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm going Gongdu style. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the bronze medalist of snacking, Ben Sheets. You can't run. You can't formaldehyde. It's me, Cleveland Mosier. Going down to the river to gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we welcome you back, dear listener, to, to our humble podcast. We welcome you to a Patreon pick episode. The film that we're talking about this evening was chosen by one of our honorary pod boys, Zach. Zach has chosen the host for us to talk about. Not to be confused with host or the host, but... Or host or the host <laughs> no we're talking about the host <laughs> this is clearing that up this this particular the host that we're talking about is a 2006 korean film directed by the boy bong joon ho um, one of his earlier films and you know this is a film about a creature but more than that it's about, it's about family, family. <laughs> Yeah, it's as really, all movies should be. It's really a um, movie about family. What is your guys' experience with Bong Joon-ho movies? Have you guys seen much? I've seen a good amount. Um, this was my second or third time seeing this. Uh, seen Memories of Murder a couple times. Yeah, Snowpiercer. Yeah, Snowpiercer. Parasite, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not obviously for me. I still haven't seen Parasite. Damn. So mm. you've just seen Snowpiercer. We've just seen Snowpiercer, and now this. And now this, but yeah. I ain't, I ain't seen Parasite. I've been meaning to. I, I, not for one to try, and I just haven't gotten around to it. It's very high up my list. It's good. It's one of yeah. many that are like at the very top of my list and have been for like a year plus. You know. Actually, give it like three years now. Bong Joon-ho's a good filmmaker. He is. Uh, this was the first movie of his that I saw back in 2011, I want to say. I think um, that might. When I was in high school. I think that might be the case for me as well. I don't think I saw it until my freshman year of college, but I can't remember if I saw this or Snowpiercer first. But I think it was this. Um, I mean, I remember growing up seeing like the DVD case of this movie in Blockbuster, mm-hmm. and always being curious about what it was, but never picking it up. Um, probably for the best. I feel like I probably wouldn't have appreciated it in my early teens. I I loved it when I first saw it. You know, I think it holds up just as well now. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking before the pod a little bit about how the effects, they, they look great for the time it was released. I don't know if you can say they've aged the best. Um, some better than others. I the- think... I think for me, I think the the magic is in the details. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you see the the sea monster flopping around or falling over its own feet or things like that, it it looks a lot better because you know the the details were thought out. Yeah, the CG is is kind of smooth. Yes. Um, 
but uh, to your point, it's extremely well animated. Yeah. Um, it it does feel like it has weight and that it exists in the world, um, even though the textures and lighting are not, like, quite seamless. Yeah. Like, what's most important to me is that you can tell a great deal of work and craftsmanship went into it when it was made. Yeah. And I think even though you can, quote, see the strings, right? Like, it's a little smooth. It's it's whatever. You can still appreciate it for, like, the work, you know, that, that totally. went into it. Like, a lot of people, like, they just throw the word CG around because, like, oh, it's computer generated. So it's like, there's still a person, you know, like, behind that, articulating it, designing it. Getting Usually many right, people. Studying it. Tons. And... For for all that, like, all of those aspects, like, all of, like, those, like, hand touches, they're all there. Like, the creature itself, like, the design is really cool. And we don't watch, like, the original Godzilla movies now because it, it looks so real, right? Like, I think, like, you know, from this movie's, what, almost, like, 20 years old now? Almost, yeah, for the, for the yeah. same reasons. Like, I, don't, I didn't find myself watching it there or, like, you know, I didn't find the spell was broken for me because, like, the CG is a little smooth. I mean, like, to so me, kinda... a lot of the heavy lifting of the effects department... Uh, is laid on the shoulders of the cinematographer. Yes. I think the cinematography in this movie is excellent, very much in line with all of Bong Joon-ho's other movies. Like, he has a very distinct style, Mm -hmm. and shots are very much thought out. They even use slow-mo at times in a way that doesn't feel Zack Snyder-y or hokey. Um, but it's yeah, it's true. Impact. It's true slow mo. It's not just speed ramping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, f- I I might be talking out of my ass here, but I feel like this is the film that like put Bong Joon Ho on like American audiences' radar. Because yeah. I I know Memories of Murder came before this, as um, did Mother, which I, I have not seen. I've heard I Mother is really good. Um, Memories of Murder is fantastic. Yeah, um, it, it's amazing. Maybe his best film, if we're being real. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm a sucker for Snowpiercer, personally. It is a corny, campy movie, but I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I I have mixed feelings about Snowpiercer. I, I actually think that this movie has aged better than Snowpiercer has, even though it came out like six years before. But Snowpiercer is a conversation for a different day. Um so this film starts with, uh, we, we get a little prologue um, of two scientists in a lab, um, and one of them is a, <laughs> is a sort of stereotypical dumb asshole American, and he's telling uh, his, his uh, counterpart, like, hey, you see all those bottles of toxic chemicals? I want you to dump them down, down the drain because we don't need them anymore. It's, it's literally just formaldehyde, too. Yeah. Especially, like, formaldehyde and other chemicals, right? Like, well, that was the impression I got. Is that, like, he was worried about the formaldehyde, but there was, like, tons of other things there. He said it was, he said it was dirty formaldehyde. I don't know what that it means. it had dust on it. Oh, the outside oh, was yeah. dirty, yeah. Um, but the, the other guy's like well, wait, we can't just, like, dump it in the sink. Like, that empties into the river. Like, this is toxic chemicals. He's like, you fucking idiot. The river is wide, so you need to have a wide perspective. And now get now get dumping, mister. And, uh, and so he, he does. He dumps, like, 
hundreds of bottles of old formaldehyde down the drain, and it flows out into the Han River, and um, it creates a creature. It does indeed. I I love that opening scene. It's pretty much all done in English, which yeah is an interesting way to start the film, uh, because for the most part is it is in Korean. Um, there yeah there but... are a few English speaking characters that kind of pop up throughout yeah but not not very much. Well, that's kind of funny to start with that because in a way. The Americans are the true villains of this film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh. 100%. And, like, that's why pretty much all of the American characters are, like, cartoonishly, like, evil. Or stupid. Or stupid. Or or both. both. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the one kind of exception is, like, the one American, uh, like, I guess he's a soldier, but he's like just like out and about, like in civilian clothes, who like helps the protagonist like try to save people from the creature yeah. when uh, when it, it first emerges from the river. But he ends up being kind of the fulcrum for all of the hysteria yes. of the Americans yes, in the film. Absolutely, we'll get to that. Before we do, I do want to touch on like the American elements. A little bit while we're on that subject. Sure. Well, um, we're. I'm sure we're going to keep going back oh, to it. Oh, sure. But um, I was. I was thinking about this, right? Because um, I, I can't off off the cuff. Sorry. Uh, think uh, what I've seen him in before, but the scientist at the very beginning, I did recognize from like American films and such. He was he was Herschel in The Walking Dead. Oh in my season god! Two. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I don't. No, I don't remember the actor's name. Wow, but that's good. where you recognize him from. Great pull. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just off the dome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, because I've seen that too. I recognize I mean, him also. Yeah, I've seen. I, just can't I don't. Shit. I don't know I the actor's seen name. Walking Dead in a decade too. God. Plus. Um. But. Uh, Useless knowledge that lives in my head. Bad. I feel. Uh. But anyway. Uh, and, like, there are several other, like, American actors that they bring on, about three or four. You know, this is the scientist towards the mm-hmm. end, and, um, like you said, like, the, the military guy who kind of kicks off the whole thing. Um, so, in between all of them, they're all, like, American actors, and there's, like, their, their dialogue is, for the most part, naturalistic. Like, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the most part, there's a little I bit... I think it's a little stilted, but I think that's natural with the territory. What? Yeah. Like, I mean, you look at something like Triple R, for example, and how stilted the dialogue is in that. Right, it's, it's primarily, like, made by and for South Korean di- audiences. Di- yeah, well, dialogue written by a non-native English, English speaker either. that's translated into English. Right. It sounds... But- it sounds like, a little awkward to us, but there was like a le- at least a little bit of workshopping maybe with the American. Sure, actors. it's fine. Sure, it's mm-hmm. it's fine. It's plenty passable. Um, like sure. yeah, you can you can catch like something's a little off, but like it's it's plenty passable. But uh, point is, compared to Shin Godzilla, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right. Like it's it, it's it's where they just had where they just had a, a quote unquote American, American character just pronouncing her lines phonetically. Yeah, speak it, English exactly. Like like that is several more steps. Yeah. Like technically in the yeah. right direction and like like showing a care for that sort of thing. I also I was kind of curious because like this movie's known well enough and like at least the the crew like around the film went on to do Parasite and other things. They're known like much more notably in American audiences. 
Yeah. Like, seeing, like, okay, what... Well, I mean, Snowpiercer is, Snowpiercer, is, is right? entirely yeah. um, English language and film. so I wanted to double-check and see, like, if the distribution or production companies were in any way American. Now, one thing I also noticed is during the opening credits that the... The effects studio... The effects studio is based is, out of California. ...is American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, think it's, I think it was called the orphanage effects out of San Francisco. Yeah, no. I noticed that in the opening and closing credits. So, like, I I, I just, I find that, like, really fascinating, personally, like, when there's, like, carryover, because, like, I work with a lot of, like, you know, developers, like, out of the country and other stuff like that, and I always, like, think that sort of collaboration is super fucking cool. So it's it's always fun to sort of see that. But I noticed, like, it looks like the, both distribution and production were, um, uh, Korean. Um, so it must have been, like... Yeah, I'm just always curious, like, you know, the politics behind that and all that stuff. I mean, South Korea and the U.S. are, you know, allies and have lots of trade and and commerce. Um, So um, it it makes sense. But, yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, Bong Joon-ho uses those American connections to go on to do other, you know, stuff, you know, that gets wider distribution in the U.S. And, again, Snowpiercer being an English-language film with mostly American actors – um, but again, this was sort of his breakthrough yeah. to Two larger international audiences, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it certainly grossed pretty well. The The budget for this movie was $11 million and it grossed $89 mil. Impressive for $11 mil, I mean, I know it was $11 mil in 2006, you know, they're accounting for some inflation, but pretty small budget. Well, pretty small budget. This, this movie is really notable for being like a creature feature that kind of reinvigorated the subgenre yeah because like there hadn't been many you know in a post godzilla uh 99 2000 era you know this was one of the first big ones yeah, this is six years after through. would y'all would y'all consider this a kaiju film yes yes okay i would it's not about it but the setting it's not what i would consider like kaiju. a traditional kaiju film but i think I think you're right. It counts fully. I mean, I think I think a lot of people do consider it a kaiju film. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, compared to something like Godzilla, the monster's pretty small, but still does do plenty of of wreaking havoc. Yeah. And I think it's one of the best ones out there because it's very inventive in how it represents the monster. It's not a giant monster wreaking havoc on a city. It's you know going about taking snacks for later. And it doesn't even kill people yeah. right away. It's it's an it's an animal being an animal. Yeah, is, is what it is. Yeah, and that's cool because it's that nature is like reflected in the dad very early on too. Like our introduction to our protagonist is he's just sort of like dopey and falling asleep at the the snack stand by the river at the park. And he is the definition of a buffoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, we'll we'll get into that. Nearly, it's a, yeah. Not even near, but like full on, like a cartoonish character. But um, you know, like some people come up and they order squid. So he goes over to like kind of like fire him up on the grill, and uh, he plucks off one of the the tentacles from it and like starts chewing on it, and he just puts it in his pocket for later. It's a very flat squid. Have y'all ever had I think a it was, like, squid dry. before? I've never had squid. Yeah, like I, that. I uh, well, okay, this is kind of a weird political like thing. That. I personally don't really like eating squid or octopus out of um, on principle, just because they're like really intelligent creatures and they suffer a lot. But I don't, I don't eat seafood. But I have worked at restaurants that serve squid, and I have had to prep and cook squid. Um, they are very flat. There's not much in there. 
they don't look like it in the water because they're full of water. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I mean, their guts are pulled out and stuff, too. Anyway, um, yeah, so we, we definitely need to talk about our protagonist. Um, our protagonist named Gang Du. He is played by um, Song Kang-ho, who is uh, anybody who's seen a lot of Bong Joon-ho's movies will yeah. recognize him. Frequent collaborator. He's the detective in Memories of Murder. Uh, he's the dad in Parasite. Uh, he is in Snowpiercer. He's a small role in Snowpiercer. Um, so uh, he's in a lot of Bong Joon-ho's stuff. And, um, yeah, he is a, a buffoon. He's a dipshit. Um, he, he is a failure. He is a bumbling idiot. Uh, he, he is a cartoon one of, character. One of the introductions to the character is he's saving up to buy his daughter a, a new cell phone, and he's doing it by stealing the change from the the little snack stand they have and keeping it in, a, in an empty ramen bowl. Yeah. And it's all, like, dimes and quarters and pennies. Yeah, he's showing it to her. He's, like, so proud of it. He's like, look, I'm saving up to buy you a new phone. Isn't it a lot? She's like, he's like this is mostly dimes. This is not going <laughs> to... This, this, like no, this is, like, no money at all. But, yeah, he, he lives and works uh, in his father's little snack stand uh, in the park on the banks of the river. He has a 13-year-old daughter and a brother and a sister. Very... Uh, Close but dysfunctional kind of family. You know how it goes. Um, and, yeah, one day, the creature comes out of the river, wreaks a bunch of havoc, grabs his daughter, and disappears back into the river. What I find very interesting about that scene is the onlookers on, you know, the shore see the monster overhanging on the bridge. And... uh our main character, he throws a beer in, and the monster grabs it, right? And then everyone else starts throwing <laughs> shit into the river. Yeah, I want to feed the like, weird creature, too. <laughs> it fits so well thematically with the sort of anti-pollution message that's kind of an undercurrent throughout the whole film. Literally an undercurrent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, like... The way that they lure the monster in to wreak havoc on ground is by throwing a bunch of shit in the river. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, rule number one, you're not supposed to feed wild animals because <laughs> then they'll get used to it and they'll yeah. and they'll come and they'll come and fuck with your shit. Uh, and that's what it does. It it comes out um, and that, that's the first time we, we really get a good look at it. And uh, it goes on a little rampage through the park and kills a bunch of people and snatches up a few, including uh, Gangdu's daughter. And I love the takes, sequence takes back. where it first appears on ground, and you know they all throw stuff in the river, and then they turn and look and see it from afar, running just like run. on the bank, <laughs> yeah, just running and, down the dock. <laughs> you know they're on this kind of graded slope mm. and there's a really awesome shot of the monster kind of tripping down the slope hitting people on the way down kind of just stumbling about i love how clumsy the monster yeah. is 
There's like there's the part later where like two of the sanitation guys are out like spraying shit mm-hmm. and they look up and the monster's like on the bridge above them and it just like sort of flops down onto the truck. Well, it's fun too because like when it's in its natural element, it's sleek and graceful, especially for how large and cumbersome it is because it's like the size of like a small truck. And yet, like, it can whip around with its tail, and it can, like, flip uh, along the underside of the bridge. And the first time we see it uncurl from the bridge and drop into the water, like, it hardly makes a splash. Like, it's almost like a, you know, like a, like a, like a leopard, you know, moving around in its environment. Until it comes up on land, and then it starts flopping around and, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like and... seals are very graceful in the water, mm-hmm. but then they come no, up on the like land that. and they're, they're just kind of flopping around. Yeah, and I think that Cause was... Because they're, they're not built for for <laughs> land locomotion. I, I really like the intent behind that, because that's all that all comes through pretty yeah. clearly, too. Like, it's, you know, in its environment, it's, it's scary, but when it comes out, there is, like, a... The, it, well, it's bumbling, but the chaos is still terrifying. Like, it's... I also get kind of the impression that it doesn't fully like understand its own body yet yeah because we know that it is something that has mutated like extremely rapidly over the course of just like a few days or something from the chemicals that are dumped into the water and that whatever it was it started out very small because like after yeah, it's the still learning what it's supposed to be in its own body it's a real coming of age story <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a clumsy teenager you know um M- much like uh, 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 Gangdu's daughter, yeah, yeah, who I really like. I um, I love how she's set up. She runs into the booth, and uh, the she's got to turn on the TV and see her aunt. Yeah, on the TV, she's got to see her. They put who it is on an archer. Who? Yeah, well, yeah, she puts it on. It's it's the she's Olympics. An, yeah, and she's a um, nationally ranked archer. Yeah, and she's doing a competition, and they want to get the grandpa in there, but he's out attending the squid, and so like. There's a bit of dialogue. No, no, no it's her. It's her in. and the grandpa who are watching on TV while Gangdu is out. Well, at first it's the... the dad, and then the grandpa comes in, and yeah, uh, oh yeah, that's right, because he gives her because he gives her a beer. Yeah, which I wanted to right. touch on because that, that there's really fun payoff with that where he, you know, like just just once again just showing like how much of a bumbling dad he is, um, uh, much like the creature he bumbles about on land. Um, uh, <laughs> He, she says she's thirsty, and he just gives her a beer. And she's like, I'm in middle school. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's old enough, you're fine. And, like, yeah, like, clearly he doesn't, you know, like, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a goober. And, yeah. Uh, and she, like, takes one he's step. Well, and like, he's well-meaning, but incompetent. Yeah, and, like, uh, but the world just kind of flows around him. Like, he, she, she takes a sip of it, she's like, ew, it's bitter, and she doesn't drink anymore of it anyway. So, so it makes the moment kind of cute. Uh, and then, yeah, the grandpa comes back in and he pulls, he pulls him aside. He's like, hey, look, you took one of the tentacles from the squid. They only counted nine when we, you know, like we gave the customer their meal. You can't do that. Um, and sure enough, he's still got the squid tentacle in his pocket. He's just carrying that around. Um, yeah, as a snack. A little snack. Yeah, like you know, jerky. A little, little jerky. You know? uh, I mean, essentially. Yes. jerky. And, uh, uh, yeah, I can't, can't blame him. But, uh, anyway, so he's, he, he tells him, like, here, take this and give him these two beers on the house. So he takes it down to the pitnickers, and that's where they first see the creature. And I like the pacing of all that. And, of course, then the grandpa sits back in. So while they're seeing the creature, the grandpa and the young girl are watching the, the Olympics on there. And the, the aunt, she's, she's just up. She got a bullseye a moment ago. They're all celebrating. They're really happy. And she's on her final shot. And she, she hesitates, and the timer runs out. She chokes. Uh, she chokes. Yeah. 
and I like that. Um, I it it's funny too because like the the announcers on the TV are like ah uh, as always her her greatest weakness is that she hesitates too long before taking the shot and that's something that sort we sort of like see repeated throughout the film what a great introduction to a character i love yeah i love how like the whole family are all kind of losers in like different respects like gung du is obviously like the biggest loser he's like the biggest buffoon but you know even like the 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 father the the grandpa like he is you know he doesn't have a wife he's raised all this kid these kids on his own he's just got this like little snack stand that doesn't make much money the uh the the sister great archer but chokes at the last minute the other brother is a drunk like they're all kind of, they're all like deficient in some way but he's a sort of like drunk salary man almost yeah. you know he tries to look professional in a way yeah um, he does what he can to hide it yeah yeah i like that i also want to note that um the archer uh sister is um uh forgive if i'm pronouncing this wrong but it's Beiduna who did um who played one of the the eight sensei characters on that show which I'm wow, still, she's one of the sensei. She's one of the sensei. Hey, I, I'm still a fan of that show. I, I stand by it. Um, but she's the one who like knows martial arts. So whenever they switch out people, because they could switch out between each other's, it's, it's isn't that show. the the Pornhub original show? Yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, and it rules. And uh, it's it's probably my one of the few things the Wachowskis have made that I like. But uh, anyway, I like, think she's really just in hate sympathy mail. for Mr. Vengeance. Uh, oh, is she? Yeah. Okay. Um, I haven't seen that movie in a really, really she, long she's time. She's been in a number of other things. She's, she's really Wait, good. is she in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, or is it sim- or is she Lady Vengeance in the other one? Yeah, it's just, uh, her roles, she's known uh, for roles know. as a political activist in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Mr. Okay, Vengeance. Mr. Vengeance. Yeah. All right. Since they, oh, I guess she's in Cloud Atlas and Jupiter Ascending as well. Um, so she's a Wachowski regular. Yeah, Wachowski regular. I would only know her from Sense8. And again, did the Wachowskis do Jupiter Ascending? Yes, they did. Oofa doofa. Oofa doofa. I did not realize that. They did, they did Ninja Assassin too. There's a lot of stuff I don't <laughs> like that they've done. Um, uh, but yeah, no, uh, I I do like. It. Anyway, she's great. I re- I really like her performance in this film as well. She shows that Olympian determination a lot. The grandpa is great too. Oh, I mean, honestly, the honestly the whole cast is is fantastic. I, really, I yeah, really, really love the, the, the young girl. Yeah, she's really she good gives too. A mm-hmm. great performance. You know, she's stuck in kind of the sewer for most of the film. Yeah, but she has kind of an arc. She has a survivor's instinct, and you know, a young boy is dropped down there later in the movie that she like takes care of and yeah. protects. Um, she's really a compelling stuff. She's a better parent than than her own dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you know that that's kind of like a big like emotional you know um, through line of the film too. Is that like Gung Du is like he is a loser and an idiot, and he blames himself for her getting taken, and other people kind of do too. Well, we should mention because uh, you know for the beginning of the movie, it's presumed that she's dead. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, because the creature like drag grabs her and drags her into the river, so it's like, of course she's dead, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and, it's game over. Uh, you know, we have that 
excellent scene of the wake of all these different people. Yeah. A memorial service for everyone who died. Yeah. And uh, the whole family is just writhing on the ground in grief and... It's kind of funny. It I, is. It's kind of over the top, but it I mean, works. I mean, I think intentionally so. There's a lot of, like, funny parts in this. Like, Bong Joon-ho has always had, like, a great sense of humor. Yeah. Memories, memories of Murder is pretty bleak, but, like, all of his other stuff is, like... Like, it's it's got a... He's got a, a good sense of humor. Well, what makes the scene kind of funny... It, it, almost because of how absurd it is, is after the family has fallen back and they're at the height of their grief, and again, they're just, like, rolling on the floor, like, clutching at themselves, um, then photographers come right up on... Like, a bunch of photographers yeah. come up, and they're just snapping photos of them. And at first, they're all so bereft that they don't even notice until finally, like, the, the drunk brother, like, he kind of rolls around and is like, are you taking pictures? What the fuck are you doing? You know, and he gets up and he starts, like, punching at him. And, yeah, trying to get him to fuck off. And uh, I, I feel that. Like, and it's cool. <laughs> it's very relatable, but it's it, It's still, like, quite funny. Well, yeah, like, the media's just like, well, this is a spectacle, so we gotta, we're gonna... Yep, gotta move ca- in on it. Gonna and capture it's, it. It's so outrageous, but but also still quite believable. And um, sure. it's really human, and in uh, a creature film, not the kind of thing I would usually expect. And I, I really appreciate it. Like, it's all of those moments that are, like, absurd and funny... Um, Often, even like at the character's expense, it's never to a point where it removes any sympathy from the characters. You oh always yeah, feel for them, and I—that's that's a difficult line to or a tightrope. So they're they're real, walk. they're fallible, they're imperfect, but they're entirely sympathetic and yeah, likable see, too. Yeah. And I think that's the heart of the film that makes it work so well. Is it's it's a creature feature, but it's not about the creature. Like, the whole crux of the arc of this film is about going to rescue the daughter. It's not it, a creature feature. It's a family feature. Yes. With a creature. Exactly. It's a family feature with a creature. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. We did it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. it Wrap it up. Great that's job, it. guys. That's all right. Podcast. We'll see you next week. See you then. <laughs> um, well, one thing I do, I do want to uh, double back on real quick as a detail that I do think is important yes. is that... At the end of the scene where the the creature is, like, wreaking havoc in the park, Gangdu and his daughter are, like, running away from it, and they trip and fall. And we see Gangdu get up, and he grabs what he thinks is his daughter's hand, and they start running again, and we do this, like... This is all in slow motion. They do this nice pan back, and we see that he's dragging along a completely different girl. He grabbed the wrong girl's hand, and, like, her dad comes up and, like, looks at him, like, kind of weird, and, like, pulls her away. And then he turns and looks back, and now his daughter is just starting to get up from where they fell, right as the creature is coming up right behind her. Both of the girls are wearing sort of school school uniforms yeah and so it's uh, an it's an honest mistake in all in all of the in all of the the chaos because during that like pretty complex shot like there's so many extras running around panicking and like there's like it's it's also coordinated with like the the creature like into the shot as it pans back it's it's Quite a technical. It's a it's, it's a perfectly great. it's a perfectly honest mistake for him to make. It is. But considering how much of sort of like an a bumbling idiot he is, he blames himself for it and everyone also kind of 
even though they don't really say it, they all do kind of feel the same. It's like you, you dumb asshole, you grabbed a, you did, you grabbed the wrong girl's hand, and that's why your daughter got taken. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even though it's like, it's totally, it's totally honest mistake. Like it's really not his fault, um, but it does add, I, it does add like well, a just, weight. I do a weight have to, to say it. that shot of her standing there with the monster coming up behind her is probably the most iconic shot of the movie. Yeah. It's the one that I think of the most when I think of this movie. Yep, I would agree. Um, yeah. And honestly, um, and they do this a number of times, but and this may be kind of weird to say, but I think the creature in this movie looks best when it is out of focus. Um, like, yeah. it, it, again, you know, for, especially for when it was made, like, the effects have aged pretty well, um, but they're good enough to begin with that when the creature is not in sharp focus, uh, it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> it looks really good. It's cool. Yeah. On it. And, like, there's enough, like, weird details. Like, it's, half of its face is sort of like a pustule. It has, like, a thing. weird vagina-y mouth. It's very spider-like. Like, it kind of, like, opens up at four, four points, you know, and it's more, like, You know what it kind of reminded me of? It kind of reminded me of the Cloverfield monster. Oh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that. And, um, well, you know, really, the Cloverfield monster should remind you of it, because Cloverfield's 2010. No, Cloverfield was 2006. I think it came out the same year as this. Is that right? I think wow. so. That's I'm pretty, pretty sure. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking 10 Cloverfield Lane. That's why I thought 2010. Yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane that's like 20, came out 15, in like 2013, 15. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Mid 2010s. Yeah. Um, anyway. So it wasn't 2010, 10 Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> Clover, Cloverfield Lane came out some point in the 2010s. Then 10 Cloverfield Lane came out in around 2014. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I just introduced so much confusion. There <laughs> to go back to go back to the creature. We've, we've talked we've talked about the creature. We haven't talked a whole lot about its design. I I think it's it's a very well designed monster, very unique looking. The asymmetricality um, helps. Yeah, and what I what I really like about it, and I think is is a hard balance to strike, but it, I think is always really effective in monster movies, is when it. A, a monster can simultaneously look scary, but also kind of stupid. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It helps with the realism. It doesn't feel like it was perfectly designed. Yeah, like, this is, like, this monster is obviously, like, horrible, like, especially its its nightmare mouth uh, and weird, like, multifaceted eye, but also... Like still kind of a big dumb fish. Is, yeah, it's like a big dumb. He's got big dumb flipper feet yeah. and is like stumbling around and slipping and sliding and like flopping on things. Other fish he's sticking got, out of got, it. Yeah, he's got yeah, just exactly yeah. other fish like tails just like hanging out off of its back and stuff. Like it it it's the kind of monster. It's the kind of creature that if it was like a FromSoft boss, all of the messages like outside the fog gate would all just say "dog." You know what I mean? What I love about it is like a lot of kaiju films have a problem with scale. Like one shot, it'll be like the size of like one story of a one-story building, mm-hmm. and then in the next, it'll be like twelve stories tall. And in this, like, it has a consistent size that's big enough to feel like an intimidating threat to people on the ground, but not intimidating enough to have, like, a huge 
overwhelming response. It is still kind of yeah. small in the scheme. Of yeah, well, small I, enough that it can hide. Small enough that it can hide, yeah. and I think small enough that it makes for the for the digital artist creating it makes it scale easier to keep consistent. Because yes. it like you can, it's like it's like the size of like like a, a small bus, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's like truck. you can conceptualize what something the size of a small bus might look like next to a group of people or next to a building. But when you get much larger in scale, it's harder, I think, to like conceptualize what a hundred foot tall creature looks like next to a two story building as opposed to like a five story building, you know? Absolutely. And in Godzilla films, I mean we've seen a million Godzilla, Godzilla esque kaiju films where the government we see the government bungle or successfully manage a response to the creature, right? Yeah. We've seen that a million times. But we haven't seen it, like, on this smaller scale as many times. And I really like that, like, this creature, like we said, it's it's nowhere near, like, the size of Godzilla. It's like a small bus. It can still hide a little bit. But it's still a big creature that terrorized a park. Um, and even still, they totally bungle it. See, you know, they, they I, totally bungle it. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, in kind of the uh, subplot of this movie is... It's not about necessarily the South Korean response to the monster. It's about the U.S. response and the U.S. Much overreach. Like, much like Shin Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of parallels. Um, but I do I do think also like Shin Godzilla that like there is commentary on just uh, the, the problems with bureaucracy in general. Like there are plenty of like Korean institutions throughout this movie that are also like dropping the fucking ball, you know? Like, yeah. it's, and so, like, the villain, like, the U.S. is the pol- also fucking up, the, but, like, really the villain's bureaucracy. The police, the, yeah. the cop that he's talking to after he gets the call from his daughter is like, holy shit, she's still alive and she's being kept in the sewer somewhere. Um, well, that cop, the first response no one to the, the, the monster yeah. is just to fucking fumigate the whole city, essentially. Yeah, drive around sp- spraying fucking DDT and shit, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> Called him Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, well, you know, there is a storied history of U.S. forces using chemical weapons in Asian countries, and this film does not shy away from commenting on that, you know? Yeah. With uh, Agent Yellow, as they call it in the movie. It's yeah, that's very evocative that's evocative of Agent Orange, obviously. Yeah, that's that's the U.S.'s response after the the Korean government's attempt to fumigate and sanitize everything yeah. is deemed insufficient. It's like, oh well, uh, we're just gonna come in here and fucking drop this big thing at Agent Yellow, which will kill everything in like a dozen mile radius or whatever. <laughs> Typical U.S. response, right? Yeah. Well, I like it because, like, the, the problem, like, unbeknownst to people, like, the problem starts by pouring chemicals in the river. And uh, yeah. the solution is to pour more chemicals on it. Um, and uh, <laughs> fuck that. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll we can solve, folks, we can solve global warming with more global warming. Yeah, actually. More, more. We need to burn more fossil fuels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because um, eventually it'll boomerang back around. Exactly. Um, just, just to, speaking to uh, just a very small example of sort of the 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 bumbling nature of uh, like the official 
uh, like government responses in this. I think it's like so perfectly encapsulated by when they're in the the at the memorial that we've already talked about and they're sort of like pulling themselves together from their grief and like some official walks in and like the full hazmat suit comes in with like a megaphone to make an announcement and as he's walking in he just slips and eats shit (laughs) (laughs) just like in the background like nobody's really paying attention to him and he just like hops back up is like looking around to make sure that nobody saw it no one's paying attention to him until he eats shit everyone turns around Turn around, it's like, like what the fuck? And he's like, "Is this guy?" You know, um, and and he's like, and it, it's such a, it's so bungled too. Like he 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 tries to sound like a like a person in authority, and his first question is like, "Did anyone come in direct contact with the creature? Please, let's get a show a show of hands." And some people are starting to raise their hands, um, including the dad, and of course the grandpa's like, "Yo, don't raise your fucking hand." This guy's wearing a hazmat suit, and uh, you know, people are starting to raise their hands, and uh, then of course like the drunk brothers like. Yo, what the fuck is going on? You need to, like, you know, like, tell us what's happening before you, like, before we tell you, like, you, like, who, who's been exposed or yeah. whatever. Um, you know, what'll happen to us? And then he tries, he's like, you know, I'll just let the news explain. And he goes to the TV and he tries to, like, channels. find the news channel. It's like, well, the, the, like, the news the isn't news playing is right now, so on, I, I, I guess I'll explain right it. And I love that. It's so human. It's all, like, yeah. it's all, like, just a series of, like, of just like of mistakes, it's just a, a you know this this whole fucking confederacy of dunces. It's just a bunch of idiots. No one's handling this right, and yeah, uh, yeah I, I just I, I think that's mad relatable. Well, and they reveal that gasp. Not only is there just a big monster running around, but it's also infected with some kind of mysterious virus. The the American who was who was there at the park who uh who was helping uh gong do like he he got he touched it and he died from uh you know from uh some sort of infection so now anybody who's come into contact with the creature is is infected with this virus well they really sensationalize it of course on the news report in the bus because they show like weird like uh, blisters and pustules on this dude's back, yeah, and everything. And ultimately, it turns out like it's not a virus at all. Well, yeah, that's jumping much farther ahead into the movie. Yeah, the uh, a big a big reveal uh, is that there was there never was a virus. Uh, I mean, well, Gangdu and his family, they escape from the hospital and they sort of, they become wanted. There's posters up yeah. from all over the place. See, it's like, oh, they've yeah, been in yeah, contact. Yeah, yeah. You could, you They're could infected. Say it's spoilers, but it's not really spoilers in my opinion, because I think throughout the movie, it's pretty clear that no one is being infected by anything. I mean, I, well, yeah, I, like, 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 you see all the, the, the marks on his back. And, you know, we don't know, like, how long it will take. You see it in the news for the virus take place. You don't see it anywhere else. Uh, Well, there's the shot where Gangdu's in the hospital and he's, like, reaching back and scratches his back and he's got, like, some blisters on his back. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, he is infected with something. But, yeah, like, he never gets any sicker. Nobody, nobody gets sick. 
Um, so, like, as the yeah. movie goes on, it's but, like, like... You know, realistically, like, sometimes it can take a while for those types of viruses to take effect. And I wasn't sure if that was the movie just showing realism or I not. mean, he's... He was, like, the the other American who they say died of the virus. Like, he was there with Gung Du. Like, they would right they would have been exposed at the exact same time. Mm. And, you know, Gung Du is, is going on for days without being infected. Yeah. So... I read all of that as pretty clearly, like, all of the people we see in direct contact with the monster, they don't get really infected. And, like, especially with the young daughter yeah, that we that's see, true. we don't see her getting infected in any sort of way. Yeah, so, hey, to I'm me, that red is very clearly, there's not any sort of virus, and it's, you know, just U.S. overreach hysteria yeah like i think by like the midpoint or so for sure i just but for like the first yeah about 20 minutes after that news report like i was still thinking early early on because like his back is itching we're just not we're not going to see it yet but there's going to be that shot where his shirt gets pulled up and we see sores all over his back and we never do early early on it's early on it's he does say that his back is itching it's uncertain yeah. yeah and like so they're all like trying to put him under quarantine and they manage to escape I um, love the escape scene. The escape scene is so funny. Mm-hmm. But, like, while they're trying to escape, uh, I still wasn't certain if there was a virus or not. And uh, so I, I really like the, the, the conflict there, where it's like you want the family to get out because the, the daughter is, um, they know that the daughter They realize alive. she's alive. Yeah, oh, yeah. right, right, because um, they, they get a phone call while they're in quarantine, and it's the daughter. And, you know, they, they've already, they've, they've been grieving, and they, they've Yeah, they've given her up died. for dead. And so hearing her voice on the phone, and of course it's the bumbling, you know, dad who who picks up and hears that. Well, yeah, she calls. I dad. love mm-hmm. after that how so no one, but the no bumbling dad tries to explain to the the medical professionals that she's still alive, and he's like, "Well, she's deceased." But she's not dead. Yeah, like she's died. She well, yeah, died, he, but she's alive. He's a, he's a fucking idiot. He yeah. doesn't know how to explain this in like a way that doesn't sound like he's having like he's losing his mind. Do yeah. you know? Like his family knows obviously because they know him and they trust him. But everyone else is like, this dude's a fucking dumb idiot. And at a certain point later, they're like. He must be like this proves he has the virus because he's completely delusional. Like it's it's infected his brain. That scene later where they they like drill into his skull to take like tissue samples from his brain is fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, more on that in a bit for sure. But I did. There's a few things I want to touch on leading up to that point. Like I love. Uh, yeah. Like you said, the escape is really good. It's chaotic. Um, I love the shot of. The, the the police officer running after the van <laughs> and it's like up, up the spiral up ramp in the parking garage parking yeah. garage <laughs> he's struggling to catch up yeah it's it's so it's so sad and pathetic I mean he's probably like getting more distance than I would have in that situation but even still like it's really comedic as he just kind of keeps running after them and he's always like just halfway behind them up this spiral. <laughs> Just shouting at them, I'm going to get you. And he just yeah, just keeps getting doing farther it. and farther and farther yeah, behind. It's, it's really good. Um, so the family escapes. They owe them like this, like kind of like mob or this kind of gang a lot of money that helped them escape. Um, so now they're they're destitute and they make their way back to the hut and then they start searching the sewers because she's got to be somewhere in these sewers nearby. 
And they yeah, also that's what she the, tells yeah. him on the phone. She's like, "I'm in, I'm in a deep sewer somewhere." Yeah, and you know when she, we first hear that message over the phone too. She's like, "I can't escape. I can't get out. It's like a deep sewer." I'm like. Is she in some kind of like horrible hive or something, or is she like, is the monster gotten bigger? Or is she in its stomach? Like, you don't really know. And it filled my head with a lot of like fun, abstract, and scary imagery, uh, which I like. And it turns out, no, she's just no, like, she's in, just she's in the been sewer. dumped in one of the sewers, and I like that too. But uh, it like did, down it a did, storm it scary drain, in the like, yeah, she can't get um, out. And so uh, they start searching the sewers, and they kind of keep going back to their little stand home as a point of uh, you know like respite, and. Uh, there's this wonderful scene where they're all eating dinner together and then after a long fruitless day of searching yeah and and then the daughter just pokes up from the other side of the table and she reaches out and she grabs a little snack as well and the dad looks over at her and um he doesn't react in a crazy way and he's exhausted but he just kind of like acknowledges her presence and then the aunt does the same and the rest and then we cut back to her in the sewers again yeah and it, i love that i love i love like what a cool way to show without any dialogue or anything crazy that she's just still with them in spirit yeah and it it like the intent is so clear but in the moment you're like when she pops up like i i think i even like shouted a little bit i was like oh She's there. She escapes, you know? Like, oh, for just a moment, you think, like, ah, oh, and then you realize, like, no, she's just with the family. Yeah. And and then we cut back to her back down there. And I, I thought that was a really, like, really well done moment. Like, it's really, really sweet. I do love the sewer. You know, it's sort of a storm drain where it's, like, too tall for anyone to get out. Yeah, like a good 15, 20 feet deep, yeah, um, with like a grating over the top. But not like overly like hidden, you know, yeah. or anything like that. Um, and there's just a bunch of bodies in there. Uh, you know, we get the, the, the fat dude in the 69 jersey and uh, a few other people that have been slurped up by the monster so to speak yeah we see it a few times it will like swallow people and then come back and sort of like vomit them back up yeah, um, it's using that storm drain as a, a, as a little nest yeah a, a, a larder he's got himself a snack stash yeah um, and so what it's essentially done is it's it's it picked up the daughter and it dropped her down there along with some other bodies in a very similar way to the dad just picking off you know, one of the tentacles from the squid and keeping in his pocket for later. Because it, 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 it'll, it'll slurp up people and then it gorps them back out into the storm drain. And, you know, the girl is just one who happened to live through the just whole ordeal. slurping and gorping. Yeah, dude. And it, 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 it gorps <laughs> them back up into the, the storm drain. And uh, so she's able to get a cell phone off of somebody. I love... Scavenge that. But, like, it's cool because it keeps, like, it, it kind of keeps returning to that area. And so there's always, like, this... This, this tension that's coming and going with the girl down there. Yeah. It really helps, like, elevate those those I, sequences and heighten them. You know, I love that, you know, time for that she's like, yeah, every time it brings back a new body, she'll, like, search it for a cell phone to see if she can, like, get in contact with somebody. Well, she's so smart down there and resourceful. And, it, and you know, and later it uh, it brings back, like, the little homeless boy and his brother, the brother dies, but... um brings him back and so she starts caring for the little boy but um at one point it comes back 
And she's like, oh, it's back with another guy. Hopefully this is one who has a working cell phone. And then it just, like, is up top of the storm drain. And it opens its mouth. You think it's going to let another body out. And it just vomits up a huge pile of bones. Yeah, bones and sludge. (laughs) Bones and sludge. Like, it's so defeating. Because, like, up until that point, we've seen it, like, possibly, like, accidentally kill people, right? Like, it's slurping them up and gorping them back down there, but, like, it doesn't... They're just they're just still full-on people with their clothes on and yeah. everything. Uh, but they're dead because of, like, all the, the being... They've been thrown around, concussed, pulp, you know, mashed around. Um, but, like, maybe, you know, it's it's just collecting them for something or whatever... But, like, the moment it starts, like, vomiting up the bones, you're like, like, ah, no, there's no hope. No, I I remember remember the first time I saw this movie, there's, like, a good little while where I was thinking that it was going to be one of those movies where, like, the creature turns out to, like, not be bad, like, not be evil, but it's just, like, misunderstood, you know? And that it's, like, it's, like, bringing people back to, like, its nest out of, like, loneliness, like, it's trying... Trying to you know, taking them as like children or something, and that she's gonna like befriend the creature and have to like convince the government to not kill it at the end or whatever. It's like I like that there's like because yeah, you don't really know yeah, its motivations, it's you know. It's and and then but yeah, then like that moment, it just like yarfs up, just <laughs> like a just like a huge mound of of human bones. Well, and it's like oh okay, yeah, like no, it's, it's just it's, it's just a creature. That's basically the plot of Okja, Bong Joon Ho's later Netflix. Which I have, yeah, which I have not seen, but I'm familiar with the plot. Yeah, Uh, and I I like, uh, I really like that. I like that. um, uh, You also notice too that when it does York up all the bones, that like there are less people down there than there were earlier. So it like slurped some more of them up, and it had been digesting them, and it came back. Yeah. So, like, and also just like eating people out and about too. Right. So like yeah, you're, you really you really nailed it. Like it it is using that little abattoir as a snack stand. Yeah, you know, which yeah. is cool because the family owns a snack stand. Hey, it's like yeah, exactly. Themes. It's cool. And, uh, the pa- all, the parallel the parallels between uh, Gong Du and the creature, like, <laughs> 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 sort of like big bumbling yeah. idiots. We're not so different with, you with and their I. yeah with their with their <laughs> snack obsessions. Yeah, it's a real shame that yeah, like towards the end, it didn't it didn't turn to him and say we're not so different. You yeah, I think would have made the movie better. The real family was the creatures we met along the way. Ain't <laughs> that just life? Yeah, that is just life. So they're searching. No luck. I really like how we're introduced to the other young boy who's surviving down there because he, uh, he and his brother, uh, they find the snack stand first before the family gets back. And the brother says, um, "Have you heard of Sure?" And he says, "No, what's that?" He's like, "Ah, oh, there's a bigger generation gap than I thought. Like it's." It's where you you steal food, but you don't steal money. You don't steal anything else. It's borrowing, and it's like us young urchins used to do it all the time. And uh, and so he tells like, so put the checks back. Don't take any of the money from this family. Just just take the food that we need, and we're gonna go about our way. And they leave, and they're running, and they see the creature. And the creature chases them down. They're going to open the door, and then we cut to the family opening the door of their shack, 
instead. And there's a lot of really great, like, turnaround shots where, like, it cuts without you realizing we've cut and we see another character around a corner or come up over a ledge or something. And I, 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 I never, that never gets old to me. I, I, it just these really cool, like, kind of visual subversions where, like, we, we don't even realize we're into another scene yet. So anyway, then Continuity get... editing. Yeah. And match cool. cuts. I love that. There's cuts. a great match cut where we're in the hospital and all of the, you see all the beds with, like, the humidifiers like spraying their their steam at the end of the bed and then it cuts to like the truck driving along the river spraying the ddt yeah, yeah. that's great uh that plays up with the beer can a few times there's the one where uh, like early like er, at, at the very beginning you know he gives the his daughter uh, a can of beer and then later on while the creature is like storming the the park uh, a beer can gets thrown around in the sprays as a person gets sort short. of a repetition of yeah. imagery, and then when it, he when it he throws he throws the beer can into the water, into the water. and the creature grabs it. Right, and then um, later on, when the, the creature is like uh, blorping back up people in the, in the abattoir, um, uh, it drops a beer can down. Oh, which is cool because the girl is sort of yeah. using that to keep morale up with the young boy. She's like, "Hey, what do you want when we get out of here? My family owns a snack stand; we can get whatever we want." And the boy's like, oh, I want noodles, I want this. And she's like, we got it, we got it, you know. Uh, and then she says, you know what I want? I want a beer. I want a cold beer. And I love that, because, like, she obviously doesn't like the taste of it. She just wants to be like her dad. Well, yeah, and, yeah, it reminds um, her of home. Yeah, it's super it's super wholesome. And then right after, the the creature blorps a beer down there. Yeah. For her. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it falls asleep, and she goes over to pick it up. And we think, like, oh, is she going to drink the beer? What's she going to do? And she, she uses it, and she throws it at the creature. To see if it's awake. Man, not. I love I love that scene because a little before that we have her and the little boy like taking off all of the people's like clothes and coats and stuff and tying them together. And there's a police baton. They tie that to the end. They try to throw it up onto the grate above to make a rope so they can climb out. And it, and it catches, but it's then it's too high for them to reach. It's like eight or nine feet up, probably. Yeah, it's it's pretty high up. Like, they have no... They can't jump to it or anything. And then, yeah, and that scene later where the creature is sleeping and she throws the beer at it to see if it's awake. She's like, okay, it's dead asleep. And she runs and jumps up on its back and leaps up and grabs the rope. I love the way this this bit is edited where she, like, starts climbing. She just kind of stops and, like cuts between her and the boy and he's looking at her and it's in close up and it's like why are you not climbing and then we cut to the wide shot and the creature's tail is wrapped around her so good and it's a really great sleight of hand too like emotionally too right because right beforehand she says to the boy you stay in the hole stay safe i'm gonna get the national guard i'm gonna get the police i'm gonna get everybody she's so determined she's so set and so we think, like, oh, is she going to get out? Maybe she's going to make it. And she gets partway up there, and she stops. And we think it's because the boys left the hole. Because the boy did hop out. Yeah. And, like, that's another thing. So we're thinking, like, as they're doing the tight shots, like, oh, no, she stopped because, like, maybe the boys come out. And she's like, oh, do I need to turn around and save the boy or whatever? And then, boom, we get that white shot, like you said. And the tail is wrapped around her. And it's it's great. It's, like, there's so many, like balls in the air that you're not sure exactly what's happening until we pull back and we see i feel it. like this is another great example of how the monster isn't necessarily malicious because it very gently puts her back on the ground 
It does, but then as soon as they turn, as soon as they turn to run back to the hole in the wall, it leaps up and and attacks them. Yeah, it almost from that is like it was it was just a reflex and it slipped. Yeah, I could see that. Its eyes are like milky and closed, like it is sleeping. Like yeah, she throws the beer can at it to test and see if it's awake. Yeah, but then like after like it is awake because after it sets her down again they try to they try to run from it and it gets up and and chases after them that to me felt like you know again just like a very sort of like animal behavior that like you know predators are instinctually driven to chase what runs right like if you put you put a string in front of a cat, it's just gonna look at it until you start tugging it. As soon as you get the as soon as the motion happens, that's when it pounces. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of why I felt like the creature was doing it. Like it just sets her down, and then as soon as she moves, it goes after her. Mm-hmm. It's just great. Oh, around the same time, uh, something I wanted to touch on is we get this really sweet moment where the family is exhausted, and they've returned back to the shed or the snack hut again. And they're just taking a moment to sleep. I love this moment because the, the grandpa, like, he goes for a cigarette. the Or he, he has a cigarette while they're all, like, sitting together. The the dad has fallen asleep again. Because he's always dozing off. We see him doing this, like, throughout the movie. We're introduced to him asleep on Sleeping. The, the counter. Sleeping, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the aunt and uncle are dozing constantly. Like, they're kind of waking up and falling asleep again because they're all trying to get that rest, but also, like, they still want to go out and try and find her. Yeah. And the the grandfather is is, is speaking to them both, and he says, look, it's, it's pretty fucked up that you reprimanded, you know, reprimanded him for losing his kid. Like, there's, can't you hear, like, his heartbeat? Like, everyone can hear the heartbeat of a parent who's lost their kid. Like, you, 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 if, if you can do anything right now, please be nice to him. When he was a young boy and I found him, like, he was just practicing Zoray, you know, just, like, stealing food where he could or whatever. And it was during those times where, like, he was a, he was a young boy and he would steal food from these people and then they would, they would catch him at it and they would beat him up and he never got the protein he needed when he needed it most as a child. And so now as an adult, he's always falling asleep. That's why he's dumb and, and sleepy. Why, and it got his brain, too, and he's always tired. And it's a really sweet moment. And it's cool because, like, we already learned, like, what that meant through, like, the, the orphans who were, like, coming through earlier. And be like, oh, like, Saray is when you do this. And um, he says, uh, like, you know, so just fucking be nice to him. And it's sweet. But then you realize the aunt and uncle, they've dozed off. They've totally but, fallen asleep. But the son wakes up and he hears it. And he hears, like, his, his grandpa, like, being nice his to dad. him. His dad. Yeah, his dad. And um, being nice to him. And I, I, I think that's a great moment. It's it's just it's really a, it's really wonderful, but mm-hmm. and it plays in in a cool way later too when they get recaptured and uh, he is uh, the 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 dad um, the the American scientist comes in and he taps the guy's forehead he taps the dad's forehead he says this is where the virus is we're gonna get a sample it's in there it. and they 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 strap him down and um, they they have this like medical drill and they're they they're working to go into his head. And we think that's it, you know? Like, that's that's it. It's game over. And we cut back to the girl. We cut back a little bit. He's sitting upright in a chair, and he, and he looks like a vegetable. He looks lobotomized. Yeah. Yeah. And they take the strap off his head, and you can see that there's a hole, you know, and that there's, there's a wound there 
where they they drilled into his skull. They done trepanned him. They trepanned him, and um, but from the front. And uh, the nurse is going, and she 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 sticks a needle into his arm, and he doesn't react at all. And she pulls, she draws out a bunch of blood from this really almost comically large syringe, and that's when he turns and he grabs it from her and and she and he and he takes her hostage and we're like yeah he's still good like and i love that it's like he was already brain damaged I love, a more, right? I love that he's <laughs> i love that he is it's it's maybe one of the more unrealistic things in the movie but i love that he's able to escape by just holding everybody hostage with this big syringe full of his blood because he, yeah, he, he holds it like up against her throat like i'll i'll inject her with the virus because he knows he knows the virus isn't real at that point. He yeah. the American scientists. I love too that like the American scientists, like they're they're casually talking to each other because they think he doesn't understand. And then he turns and he goes, "No virus, no virus." I love that. That's so fucking good. Yeah. But like he's he's holding the nurse like hostage and he's walking towards them and he like occasionally like spritzes his own blood at them with the syringe. It's so good. I like, love so that fun. he opens uh, the main doors are open for his escape. And they're just fucking barbecuing just right rolling. outside. Yeah, yeah. The fucking Amer- the one of the American soldiers is just standing over like a barbecue grill, like flipping ribs yeah. and shit. Well, you like it too because, like, like when they're inside of of the the room, it looks like they're in like the bowels of the fucking Resident Evil facility. Like it's it's got the computers. They're in a lab. Got, yeah, they're in a deep in a lab, and yeah, like they're at the bottom of the fucking umbrella facility or whatever and then he just he goes down a small hall of uh decontamination like it's a straight shot it's a shotgun you know from like where he was sitting down to going out of that and the doors burst open he's just outside and they're basically in a trailer they're in portables yeah they're <laughs> they're in like a double wide they're, and, in, fu- they're in fucking portables and again it's just like it's a wonderful like subversion where like you just you don't expect like like you think it's going to be like a long arduous journey of him getting out and he just pops outside and they're already by the lakefront they're already there um and it's great and he still has to like make his escape and get to an ambulance and find the location but it's it's really I, I love that whole sequence it's really good um and he just you're i was just fucking cheering like a touchdown when he gets up and he grabs a syringe and it's like ah oh, yeah he's got a sample from the front it didn't kill him he's fine he's gonna keep going What's a little more brain damage? Like, <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. Um, meanwhile, uh, uh, during that same time as the family is separated, oh, the climactic event that separates them is they come across the creature again. Sorry to back up a little bit. And the grandfather is killed yeah. by the creature. It's a really sad moment. And again, it's Gongdu's fault because is. he gives him his gun that he, one more that he tells him has one shot left in it, and the grandpa's like, all right, one shot's all I need. I can take it. And as the creature's coming towards him, he pulls the trigger, and it's empty. And we cut to Gongdu, like, counting on his fingers, like a fucking, like, just absolute idiot that he is. And, it's and yeah, then the creature grabs the grandpa with his tail and, like, smashes him on the ground. Yeah. And it's just like... Yeah, his his fucking his buffoonery got his daughter snatched, and now his buffoonery has gotten his father killed. There is a sweet and, moment with a family gathered around him, and I think he says like, or or is it right before the creature gets him? And he turns and he says like, "Just go, don't worry about it." Yeah, he turns yeah. he turns around and he like waves them to run. Yeah, and it's very casual and nice arc right before that when the uh, the sister. Uh, the archer yeah. is about to shoot she has the, her bow, yeah. the monster, and uh, the drunk brother stops her. 
you know, and well, again, she she hesitates too long yeah. to release, and the brother grabs her shoulder, and Dear, it thro- uh, and it throws off her, and she and it throws off her aim again. again it's she another just another build up of that arc. Yeah. If she just yeah. satisfying ending. If she just re- you know, you know released a second before and and she has yet another one of those moments a little later when they're all separated and they're kind of like individually looking for the little girl and she ends up down in the sewer and she sees the creature and it starts running at her and she pulls back to shoot and again she's just too late and the creature like smashes her and she falls down a storm drain. Yeah, a separate avatar. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's down there for a while. Uh, but I love it, too, because when she's... Uh, because when we see the dad later on crawling back up a ledge, his hand comes over the side, and she pulls up, and we've cut back to her. And it's just another yeah. really good match cut, where, like, you, you we, we're just sent to another location. Um, uh, like, seamlessly. Uh, the uh, The uncle... Um, he goes off, uh, and he follows a lead where, uh, one of his, his, some, like, an old buddy of his and him are in a hall, are in an elevator, and they're heading up to some sort of built, like, building, and he says, His hey. buddy works for a telecom company, right. and he's, he's contacted him because he says he can help him get the location of where the little girl called from. And this is one of the biggest highlights of bureaucracy in the movie, where he says, like, dude, why didn't you come to me, like, as soon as you could? This is super easy for me to do. Well, when earlier in the movie, the police officer was like, this is way he's too He's like, you have no... Around. They're like, can't you trace the call? He's like, trace the call? Don't you have any idea how complicated that is? And then, yeah, later, his buddy's just like... He's like, yeah, we can get within 200 meters of where she made the call from. Like, why didn't you just come to me sooner? But he's immediately trying to double cross. Yes. Well, he, well does, yeah, we... he does, but he was right about that, though. Because, like, yeah, they, they sure. go up. Because he says, like, you know, like, we can get it within 200 meters. Like, we got you. He takes him up to the computer, and uh, he sets the brother up. He's like, yeah, just enter the information here, and it'll come up. He goes into another room, and there's a whole bunch of people in there. Which is cool, because, like, it looks like the office is closed. No one else is there. It's a, it's a you know, like, everyone's left for the day. And he walks into another room, and the room is full of people. Like, they're at, yeah, they're after, wait, they're after the reward. Exactly. All of this family who have escaped, the, there's there's a bounty out for them, yes, essentially. because they have the virus. Yeah. And so, uh, I you know, it's another great subversion. And um, so he did lead him there to, to capture him. But before they can make their move, the the uncle gets a blip on his computer. And the location has been traced. And sure enough, they have within 200 you know meters... And there is, on his map that he's already drawn out, like, there is a storm, there is a drainage, or a sewage entrance in that area. Circled so there, exactly yeah. which one, he te- uh, and, and, the, uh, and then, of course, the doors open, they'll come for him, and he makes his escape. Oh, and it's super badass, too. Like, he, uh, he takes a, um, like, a clip. A paper, a paper clip. clip. Yeah. And he, and he puts it on either side of a, a pronged power cord. And he plugs it in, and it causes the whole room to power out, and it shuts yeah, the whole place up. It's cool, fucking awesome. It is so badass. Uh, so he like it knocks the power out, and he makes his escape. Um, and uh, uh, there's this great shot where he uh, they all they all run outside, and they're looking for him. And uh, we see his hand slip, and he falls because he was like hanging on the, onto a ledge. And uh, there's this wonderful overhead shot where you can see like. The, the road above, or the bridge above, and the guy, like, down below as he's fallen. And, a, and one of the detectives, like, walks up into frame. 
and he hasn't looked over the edge yet, and the brother slowly rolls into the shadow before the guy can look over. Yeah, like, great I, I shot. fucking love that shot. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing. good. Um, and uh, then at that point, he rolls up to his position on the bridge, and he texts the location of the family. That's how the sister gets down to the sewers to find her, and, um, and then he passes out, you know, from, like, the exhaustion mm. and the fall. He wakes up later, there's a bum there. And I love this character. Oh my god. Not enough of the bum in this movie. He's probably my favorite character, if I'm being real. Uh, and the bum's like, yo, I let you sleep on my bed, man. What's up? And he's like, look, if you can help get me to this location, I'll I'll pay you whatever. And he's like handing him his wallet. He's like, oh, can I have this backpack too? I'll pay for it. He's and like, I need I need some of these bottles. The bum's got like all these little like liquor bottles next to him. And he's like, I need I need some of these. And he just sort of tosses him his wallet. He's like, I can pay for it. And the bu- and like while he's gathering all this stuff up, the bum just sort of casually picks up an empty bottle and just smashes it over his head. He's like, you think you can pay for anything, huh, asshole? And it's great because you think that the bum is like, just mad or is like evil and is knocked is trying to knock him out. So he's he gonna rob him. him. Rob him. Yeah. And, but instead, like he then gets up. He's like, "All right, come on, let's." He's go like, "I'll show you where he's like, bored. I don't have yeah. anything else going on." He's like, "Oh, you the need to go." Just isn't a capitalist. He fucking rules. You need to, like, you need to go to such and such bridge. All right, I'll take you to such and such bridge. Yeah, he just bashes him over yeah. the head to like teach him a little. Yeah, fucking like, Baca. He's like, you fucking idiot. He's like, you fucking asshole. You think you can buy me? All right, let's go. I love that shit. I love it. So funny. Yeah, like it's a really good like candid glass shot. Um, and uh, they they head out on their way. They get into an Uber, and uh, they're just in the, they're both in the back of the Uber making Molotov cocktails. And like, I think Uber it would just be a cab like, in those days, as well yeah. before Uber. Right, right. Um, so like, the cab driver is like, "Yo, what the fuck? Are you guys like going to the protest? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like with with that stuff? Like, like I'm not I'm not trying to like fuck around. That and he's like, dude, I'll pay. Qu- uh, he's like, I'm paying right. quadruple fare. Just shut care, the fuck yeah. up. And they're just like busily making Molotov cocktails in the back. Well, yeah, they're they're going to the river where there is a protest, as because pe- people are protesting the uh, the imminent release of Agent Yellow on their city, like you like you do, like you do, yeah. Because um, yeah, this, they're just coming in to to drop this just chemical weapon, just like it right into the river in the heart of the city. Um, so Again, yeah, it's like major subplot of the film. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and well, yeah, we should get to that. We're 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 going a little long here. Um, the but there's there's a lot to get into with the ending. The protagonist does eventually find the the storm drain where the daughter is, but he gets there and she's gone. He sees the creature run by and he sees like an arm hanging out of its mouth, so he chases it. And we all converge at the banks of the river at the protest where they're about to drop the Agent Yellow. All the family is there, all the siblings, they all show up around the same time. Um, And the creature shows up, and before anybody has a chance to disperse, the government just releases Agent Yellow without warning, um, and seemingly kills the creature, at least for a moment, long enough for... Gangdu to run and pull his his daughter and the little girl out of the creature's mouth. Um, pretty much the one time the creature is ever rendered practically in the movie. Um, that whole part looks great. Yeah. With, with him like 
climbing up into its mouth and like pulling her out. I wish there was a little bit more of that. Um, what what I find so wild about that sequence is that scene looks so great, but it's immediately followed <laughs> up by it being lit on fire. Yeah, which is probably the worst looking stuff of the film. Yeah, yeah. CG would, fake fire. Would agree. It's, yeah, it's not going to be great. Um, but the, I think the payoff for me, like the payoff, was so good narratively that I didn't mind it. So yeah, much. I, so I mean the the show the showdown with the creature is so is good. is great. Yeah, because the creature's running around, and we have all three siblings uh, plus the, the the new homeless guy we've introduced, all like acting against it, and I and I really like this because each one like completes their arc by getting a, a hit in on yeah. the creature. Um, the uncle is like you know he's been having all these problems with the drinking. And he's, he's because, and so of course, who understands how to throw a bottle better than a drunk, right? So he's got these Molotov cocktails out and he's hucking them at the creature. The creature is sly and agile and it's like weaving between the thing, between the, the, um, the pylons of the pier, um, or the bridge. And, uh, so he keeps, he keeps missing, but finally it comes around and he has one left and the, the homeless guy, he's, he's come up over the top and he has a, a, a canister of gasoline and he pours it over the creature. And earlier on in the movie, we get this great shot of the creature, like, outside, uh, before it kills the grandpa, where it's, like, it's got its mouth open, and it's, like, catching rain um, and drinking. And when the guy starts pouring the gasoline on it, it does the same thing. Which is cool, because, like, oh, it's a pollution creature, so, like, it wants the yummy gasoline. Just starts chugging the gas, yeah. Um, And uh, so it starts, like, kind of drinking it and getting it spilled on it, and the, the uncle comes up, this is his moment. He's got the Molotov. He's got to hurl it. And he brings his hand up and it slips out of his It's hand. all done in yeah, glorious slow motion. Yeah. Him getting ready to heroically chuck this Molotov at the creature that is distracted and stationary. He's going to get it. And just like as soon as he starts to move his hand forward, it just slips out of his hand and shatters on the ground behind it. Him. We've all been there, <laughs> but it's you know, so it turns doofus. out girls get it done. Yeah. And so. Well, we, yeah, they sure do. And so, of course, the ant, she comes up. She's got her bow and she she's she uh, she takes the rag that's still flaming from the Molotov that, that, that hit the ground. And she she uh, she skewers it on the end of her bow. So now she has a fire arrow, and she she pulls back, doesn't hesitate, and fires it straight. I love it because she fires it into the creature's mouth the same way that it'll no be... into its eye, into its eye, yeah, yeah right, straight into, into its, its eye. big but milky, I... m- gross it, eye cluster. It's great though because like it's it's up and it's got its mouth open, and it 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 reminded me of like an Olympian lighting the 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 Olympic torch at the beginning of the I don't think the they've ever done that by firing an arrow at it <laughs> I, I will say no they touch no. the torch to it no, well, yeah, whatever no, she's lighting no. the Olympic torch it's cool <laughs> sure. uh, but yeah she's lighting the creature on fire yeah and uh, she, she skewers at the eye and it's fucking dope I do love that she doesn't hesitate you know it feels yeah. like Finally, culmination of mm. like that whole story after multiple times yeah character. choking when when she shouldn't at the very end she doesn't hesitate and sets eye. the creature on fire and as it's running towards the river um you know it's because it's hard to kill it's hard to kill yeah, uh, it's on fire but there's yeah, water right there and it's there's going water right it. there and it's about to leap in and uh gongdu comes from around uh 
one of the the pylons, and he has a uh, a metal signpost. I like this because this was also foreshadowed at the very beginning when it attacks at the park. He and the marine um, use a uh, like a parking sign. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a parking sign where um, it's got the metal rod and the sign on it, and it's just like a um, like a plant, like a it, it's like it's a concrete, a, like a concrete like planter, yeah, basically like holding it upright, so you can pick it up and move it around, but it's heavy. And he's ha- he has trouble like hitting the creature with it. Like he hits it a couple times, but it's a lot of work getting it up and over. But at this point, like he already knows what he needs to do. It didn't work last time, so he takes it and he knocks off the top of the sign and he breaks the concrete on it. So he's just got a nice fucking just pole. the pole. Yeah, this time. And so the creature, it's just about to hit the water. He rounds the corner and he fucking skewers it through the heart, right? Um, through the mouth. Yeah. Through really. mouth. Yeah, yeah. Through the brain. Yeah, into the yeah. brain. Um, just like he was skewered in the brain earlier. They're so similar. Exactly. They're so, they're the same. (laughs) They're the same. They're the the same. (laughs) They are the same. And, uh, finally killing it. Finally, the creature dies. Um, I will say one of, one of my, uh, little minor, like, plot issues at this point is, is, like, with the Agent Yellow, they make the point about like earlier on the TV how deadly it is People like are how it all Well yeah how it'll kill like any biological organism like but they drop it and it's like we see a bunch of people fall over like one dude who's caught in it like starts vomiting blood and like the creature itself reacts and falls over and is seemingly dead at first but it's like through all of this like this whole climax is like in this cloud of like yellow fog and the most that happens to any of our protagonists is they're just like bleeding a little bit from the ears but they're otherwise fine that feels a bit like plot armor to me it's not like a huge deal but it is just kind of like it reminds me of the the episode of Always Sunny where they're uh, extras in the M Night Shyamalan movie, <laughs> and D is just like drenched head to toe in like fake blood, and then Dennis comes up and he's like, "Yeah, I got them to go a little bit more subtle with my makeup," and he's just got like a tiny trickle of blood coming out of his ear. Like, <laughs> again, not a huge deal. Like. But it does feel a little bit like... Yeah, it feels a little weird considering, like, how devastating chemical warfare actually is. Right. Well, it's like they all survive and they're just fine, you know? Like, we get the epilogue and it's like the daughter sadly died. Like, she she didn't make it, but... It's no sarin gas. Right, exactly. But, like, Gong Du is fine and the little boy, like, that's the end, is in the shack. It's like he has adopted the little boy. Like, even though he lost his daughter, he still has a chance to be a good dad now. Um, but he's, he, he keep, he keep that thing on him. He keeps, he keep the shoddy at hand. (laughs) Um, cause he's paranoid cause their shack is right on the river. Um, but yeah, so it's a little, little bittersweet ending. Um, the daughter dies, but there's still there's still redemption to be had, and at least the little boy gets a happy ending. That's yeah. the movie. Mm. That's the host. That's the host. Y'all have any other thoughts before we rate? I think the the score is really good. Oh yeah. Um, in particular, there's a really good chase scene with a great percussive. Yeah. Um, track um that i thought was really effective yeah overall 
Slap a rating on there, sure. Ben. Yeah, Why don't you I, start us? Uh, I think this is a great uh, Neo Kaiju film. Um, one of the more inventive creature features of the past 25 years. Yeah, I think this is a great movie. You should definitely check it out. It's probably in the middle of the pack in terms of Bong Joon-ho movies for me. But he's swinging a really high percentage, so definitely worth a watch. Uh, it's a 4 out of 5 for me. Cleef? Uh, exact same rating. A strong 4 out of 5. I really I really liked it. Um, uh, had a lovely time. Uh, it's a great creature film. I think the the family dynamic is extremely compelling. Um, you know, we got kind of in the weeds uh, describing this movie. This episode is going a little long because of it, but that's because it's it's such a tight it has such a tight script that like there's no fat on it. All of these things get used, and they needed to be commented on. Like we needed to really get into the details of this movie because this movie is really detail oriented. Which is surprising, because it's a kaiju film. It's a monster And we movie. still didn't get to everything. We As still always, didn't get to everything. There's, there's so much to see. more, yeah. Like, absolutely worth watching it, Um uh, And, yeah, I, I love it for that. And I love a monster movie that can really have a great human element and can tether everything together. I can also see even more so why you guys might not like uh, King of the Monsters as much with a human element there, because it's nowhere near as compelling as a movie yeah. like this. Where True facts. Just a, a small family, people on the ground. I get it. I stand by it, though. I still really like King of the Monsters. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, what do you think? There's dozens of you. There's dozens <laughs> of you. Yeah, yeah you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys 100%. Um, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Ben, and this isn't my favorite Bong Joon-ho movie or my least favorite, um, but it is a great film. Um, really happy to revisit it after a long time. Um, it just checks all the boxes. Uh, it's exciting. It's fun. Um, it's you know scary at times. It's sweet. Great characters. Um, great acting. Very good looking film. Uh, effects have aged pretty well, all things considered, for a nearly twenty year old movie. Um, yeah, uh, strong four out of five. Big recommendation. Before we wrap, I wanted to note something. Um, I think it was it's fitting because we're we're throwing out a lot of four out of fives right now. Recently, it was brought to my attention that uh, three years ago, I gave the movie The Pale Door. Uh, <laughs> I gave that movie a four out of five. Yeah, you did. Rating. Totally and, uh, deranged. No, I would... you can't change your rating. You can't change your rating now. We'll have an episode where we're like, oh, we'll revisit. We can do a revisiting episode yeah, someday. But I, I just wanted to know, well, if I could, I would. Uh, and I and I do I do agree. I think I think that that is a deranged score to give that movie. I had a lot of fun watching it. I had a good time. I, I know I know why I did, but uh, it is a, a, a that was a, that was a stupid score. That was a stupid score to put on that movie. And uh, I probably give it like a two point five, which I think is still like kind and generous. <laughs> um, uh, but <laughs> this is the type of movie that very much so deserves a really strong four or higher. Uh, I think, and uh, not the, the 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 pale door. That's silly. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to just kind of touch on that because it's been on my <laughs> mind a lot lately. You know, we're we're just people. We're rating movies. You know, it happens. We're just, we're just normal men. I'm just you know, we're just, just innocent, innocent men. men. I'm just a big baby. You know, <laughs> I'm just stumbling around in the dark, just like anyone else. And I I, I don't mind admitting that. 
you know, every once in a while. Well, fine. thanks for that little bit of revisionist history. Of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall, big recommendation for the host if you haven't seen it, especially if you're a fan of Bong Joon-ho and haven't seen it. Um, and we uh, give special thanks to Zach for picking this film for us oh, to yeah, talk about. Um, I, I Great pick. Yeah, Great pick. really good pick and uh, one that we've been overdue for, uh, I think. So, um, yeah, next week uh, it's my pick, and we're keeping the creature features going. Uh, speaking of another film that we're incredibly overdue for, oh. uh, I can't believe we've been doing this almost six years and we haven't talked about Tremors yet. So we're gonna, oh we're, yeah, we're gonna remedy yeah. that next week. Oh, we're keeping the creature train Classic. rolling. Yeah, it's oh, yes. uh, so next week is going to be our Tremors episode. Uh, I'm very excited for that. Same. Classic episode. Classic, classic film. Uh, one that I'm well overdue for a revisit, but is one of my favorites of all time. So, uh, yeah, that'll be next week. Let's do a quick sponsor. Oh, very quick. Yep. Get, a, all right. get, get us on out of here. All right, ding dong. It's the sponsor bell ringing a sponsor out for what we're going to sell. That's right, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. This week's sponsor is Abominable Snowman. Take it from the Abominable Snowman. <laughs> he's he's ripping fat clouds. I think from his his bongnable. I think if Bigfoot could smoke weed, he would. Maybe he does. You don't know. I don't know. It's true. He's a he's a mysterious figure. A mysterious. Don't figure. get me don't get me started on Bigfoot. Maybe again. maybe we haven't been able to find him because of the big fat weed cloud. Because the clouds. Because yeah. the fat clouds. Yeah. Because he's just always hotboxing it. So we haven't been able to find him in the mist. Much to it. consider. Yeah, lots lots to think to about. So think about it. That's All right. Sponsor. That'll do it for us this week. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review wherever you listen and review podcasts. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, and Micah. Hey, Once yo, again, uh, Micah was the one who brought to my attention that I left a four yeah. on uh, the pale door. So thanks, thanks, for, thanks, thanks, for that, Micah. thanks for that reminder, homie. <laughs> and again, special shout out to Zach for picking this episode. Yeah, uh, if you want to pick movies for us to talk about, then join the Patreon. Become an honorary pod boy. Please do. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter while it continues to exist uh, at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings, links to those reviews, I'm still on Twitter at some spooky snake. Are y'all gonna do blue sky or are you gonna do threads? <sighs> Not threads, that's for sure. If I can get an invite to blue sky, I, I probably hate that blue sky is invite only. For like now. I, I asked around for invites, didn't get one, and then I got bitter about it. And I It'll... was like, you know what? Fuck blue sky. I think I think it will open up eventually. Remember fucking Go- uh, what was Google's attempt at a Facebook clone? Google Plus. Google Plus. Remember that was invite only it, for a while. It fucking flopped because it was invite only though. 
You gotta have it public for everyone. Google Plus opened up eventually. Yeah, but no one was fucking on yeah. it. Yeah, there's a little invite clicky club. All the blue Fuck skies, all blue club. skies gotta do is continue to just be what Twitter was in 2021, and that's all. You know that's what? All it takes. I'm gonna stick to Twitter until it it dies. Oh yeah, I'm going down and with the shit. I honestly, I'm don't going down with the shit. Know if I'm gonna. Go to a new service after that. I'm not going to threads. I might just be done with social media. After I'm not going that. to threads, that's for so days. Instead of, Welcome to my club, dude. Instead of a social media plug, I'm going to plug a movie that I saw recently. Um, I, I watched this movie, The Incredible Shrinking Man, uh, from 1957. It's a great, amazing movie. The Incredibles? Um, it's about a dude who is out with his fiance on a boat and he gets hit by a cloud of radiation and pesticide and let me guess uh, it make him little it well make him he small. starts shrinking is it, slowly is it over the Price? course no oh it's not no it was um, is it james whale uh it's jack arnold directed it, it grant williams is the star mm. um but he is slowly shrinking over the course of months. So he shrinks a couple inches to the point where it's noticeable. Oh. And, you know, slowly and slowly he gets smaller and smaller to the point where he lives in a little doll house. I don't think I would ever pick it for the podcast, so I'll shout it out. Give it give it a watch. It's worth a watch. Yo, what's up? Uh, my Friendly Neighborhood is coming soon. Go, uh, go wishlist if you haven't. Uh, it's it's very scary uh, and and fun, uh, and I did a little art for it. So you should go go check out my friendly neighborhood. Um, it's it's on the way. And most importantly, don't litter. Don't dump <laughs> your toxic chemicals in the river. Don't do it. You might create a creature, and while that might be enticing to some, <laughs> it's going to end up <laughs> with the U.S. government dumping chemicals into your city. Yeah, don't do that. Don't dump chemicals into the river to create a creature. Don't do it. Bye.